So we studied faith this week and I started in the, the guide to the scriptures and I was like, man, I am not getting any of this. Like, just, just, I'm reading all these scriptures and none of it is sticking. I went to the guide to the scriptures first and then I was told to go to the Bible dictionary instead. And I think that that has a little bit more of a better in-depth definition. So it starts off, faith is to hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And then um, it keeps on going. I think the new stuff for me, though, was this part right before the Romans, um, the Romans reference. Faith is kindled by hearing the testimony of those who have faith. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe we can talk about that. And then in the beginning of the next paragraph, faith is a principle of action and of power. And by it, one can command the elements, heal the sick. After the reference, it says, even more important, by faith, one obtains a remission of sins and eventually can stand in the presence of God. All true faith, and I wondered if this this term, true faith, because it pops up in a, in a few different places, I wonder if it's it's different than just faith. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that, but we'll keep going. All true faith must be based upon correct knowledge or it cannot produce the desired results. Faith in Jesus Christ is the first principle of the gospel and is more than belief since true faith. Okay, and we'll get into that. So the first place I want to go to is Alma 32. And it is just so like Alma 32. I feel like if anyone were to ask me, where should I go to study faith? I would just be like, read Alma 32. Tell me some of your initial thoughts on Alma 32, and then I'll let you know kind of how it was for me learning these things. So like the things that I, that I focused on in kind of my studies is that I found that like, like the faith is a principle of action and of power. Alma goes over that, but not as much as I found that Christ does. Christ is on the earth and he's been involved with like teaching everyone through all of humanity type of thing. And so it's interesting what he chooses to teach in his earthly ministry. And a lot of it is faith. And so I was like, I found that interesting. So that's that's kind of what I focused on. And then also to answer your question about true faith in Christ, I think Alma does go over that in Alma 32. So I'm excited to kind of go through that with you and read it. Okay. So I'll just go ahead and start in 26. He says the same, some of the same stuff. Um, he goes, he says, okay, let's talk about faith. Faith is not to have a perfect knowledge. 27, he says, okay, this is what you need to do. Awaken and arouse your faculties to experiment on the things that I'm saying and exercise a particle of faith. If you can't exercise a particle of faith or if you don't know what that means, then desire to believe and let this desire work in you until you do believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. So I kind of read that verse as desire, believe, have faith. And having faith is just believing unto action. He says, believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. And then he says, now we'll compare the things that I'm saying unto a seed. So you take the things that I'm saying as if it were a seed and you plant it in your heart. So that's the first act of faith is planting it. And then if you take care of it, then it will start to swell within your breasts. And because of the swelling, you'll start to know that it is a, it is a good seed because it does all these good things. It enlightens your understanding. Um, it bringeth light to you. You'll start to know that it's a good seed. And he says, is this perfect knowledge? No, it's not perfect knowledge yet. But he says, as it continues to grow, and in verse 34, 
is your knowledge perfect? So he asked the exact same question, but he says this time, yes, now your knowledge is perfect in that thing and your faith is dormant. So your faith has brought to you a perfect knowledge in that thing, which I believe it's just saying that now you have a testimony of that seed, that it is true, it is good, and you know it. And I think there's a lot more to that, but I don't know what the more would be. If we, if we just keep going, and I have more to say about these things, but I'll come back to it. And then he warns people to take care of their trees or to take care of their seeds so that it doesn't burn up, don't cast it out. I think there's a huge point there to be made because my dad said to me recently that God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And these verses, it kind of seems like he gave you a seed to be able to handle the trial that was coming up. But if you didn't nourish it, and you didn't strengthen it, you didn't act in faith on it, then the sun's going to come and it's going to burn it up. And you'll say, man, that wasn't even a good seed. And you'll pluck it up and cast it out, even though it was a good seed. But it just burned up because you didn't take care of it. So I thought that was interesting. But in 41, it says, if you nourish the word, nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow, by your faith with great diligence and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root And behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. So I thought it was interesting that it says, have faith and diligence. So do the work and look forward to the fruit. So continue to desire, to hope, to believe, and continue working and turning that desire and that believing into faith. And then it's kind of like this cycle until you have a tree and you can taste of the fruit. So that's kind of like the whole thing. Um, I mean, he, he talks about the promised blessings in 42. Um, but what what are some of your thoughts there before I go further? Well, so I have a lot of thoughts. Like there's a lot of different subjects that we went over in all of this. I don't know quite how to do that. So maybe I'll have thoughts as you're, you're giving your thoughts. But like, for for example, at the beginning, we know that faith is, is a principle of action. And so we were talking about that in 27, that experiment upon my words, this is verse 27, and exercise a particle of that faith. I think that word exercise is that action point right there. It's like, what does it mean to exercise faith? Or what does it mean to even exercise a belief unto faith? So maybe let's break this down and then we can go over the points that if I have thoughts that I'll interject. Let's go back then. The first point I want to talk about and see what your thoughts are. Let's go to 29 where he says, you start to know that the seed is good. Would not this increase your faith? So to me, the acting part, the planting the seed was faith, but that was the action part of the faith. And then when he says, would not this increase your faith? That's talking about the power part of faith. So as you act in faith, your faith increases, and then that becomes the power to do things. The power to do things like act or the power to do things like where God interjects? Because the way that I look at faith is, You have faith in something, then you act, and then God intercedes. I think that's a great question because I think that the power is the power to take steps, like those steps that we've been talking about that Elder Maxwell talked about, how we have we have to take these steps to return back to God. Like if the steps are precepts or commandments from God that we have to do and take it take the step, faith is the actual ability to take the step, the actual like power that helps us to take the step. Which power is Christ's? And it's just interesting because he laid the path. You know, he put the stones there. He gives us the power to walk the way. 
I mean, I just go back to King Benjamin talking about how you cannot repay what he's done for you because the more you do to repay him, the more you owe him. With your analogy with stepping stones that Elder Maxwell is talking about, I think faith might be the motivation. Because Ether teaches that like faith is things that are hoped for that aren't seen. And that faith is a principle of action. So faith leads to action, which is going on that step. So I think, I think the foundation of everything is faith. Yeah, I think that couples perfectly. Because faith is the motivator that pushes you to take the step. It's the motivation, it's the energy to take that step. And it's the action of taking the step. The thing that I kind of thought about a lot as I was reading through these things is, man, it's so hard to define what faith really is because it's kind of like this word. I don't, I can't think of any other words that are like this, but it's hard to really be like, okay, this is faith. But once you start picking up on what it is, what it does for you, how you're supposed to use it, that's why I think it's really important for us to talk about like the liahona in this context because it really helps to be like, okay, that's how it works. And that's why we need to be using it. From what Alma is saying is, is that I think, I think faith is something that you work at. And, th- and this is, this is a, a thing that I struggled with. I look at faith and I was like, okay, this is like faith in Jesus Christ. That's like the main principle of the gospel. And that, that's kind of the thing that like is the starting point for everything. But I think faith from what Alma is describing is, is several things. So I could have like faith in tithing where it's, I, I exercise my faith and I pay my tithing. And then from that action, I have an evidence of my faith. And that's when, that's when I see miracles and stuff like that. I think when we're talking about faith, I think there's like two separate things. I think there's faith in Jesus Christ. And I think there's also faith in like principles. And I think Alma in here is talking about both of those things where it's like faith in Jesus Christ and that grows and then, that, and then your understanding of the gospel and everything and you move forward and those stepping stones. And I think later on, he's also talking about faith in principle. So he, he, like he's describing trees as almost separate trees. It's like if it's a good tree, then you have that tree and then you pluck the fruit off of that tree. But I think to kind of go what off what you were saying, I think there's two separate versions of faith that we could be talking about. So maybe as we're, we're going through this, identifying like, hey, is this faith in Christ or is this faith in like a gospel principle or, a, or something else? I was actually going to ask you because I was thinking that same thing that we don't just plant one seed and then we have the one tree to take care of. And I don't understand this fully, but he says when we start to know that the seed is good and we know that the seed is good and it becomes a perfect knowledge in that thing, he says our faith is dormant. And so I wonder if it's dormant because our next step is to go either plant another seed or go back to an old seed and take care of that old seed or just something like that. It was interesting to me to wonder if we just have one seed and we take care of that seed until it's a huge tree and we can taste the fruits or if we have this orchard of seeds that we're we're cultivating and we can't take care of all of them all at once but we do have to spend time with them i wonder what he means with that because i would never i wouldn't have used the word dormant that's an interesting way to say that and now behold and this is verse 34 and behold is your knowledge perfect yay your knowledge is perfect in that thing so what is he talking about with knowledge? Like, what is the knowledge he's talking about of that thing that, you're, that you've, you've experimented on? I mean, if we go back to what the seed is, it's the word. So, and he's telling the people that, that they're sufficiently humble and that they can worship anywhere, right? Uh, I think that's, that's at least some of the message. That's the foundation of this conversation, yeah. Right. So maybe once they act on that seed and it begins to swell, maybe they know they can worship anywhere. And their knowledge that they can worship anywhere is perfect. They know that. 
And then I wonder if by your faith is dormant, he means like your faith is now in the ground, nurturing the tree. I don't know. It's just, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea what it means. But I, I wonder if it's, it could be something like that, where like your works is now there in the roots and has it has nurtured the tree. In verse 28, he says, now we will compare the word unto a seed. And usually when they mean the word, is the gospel, the good news of Christ. Like whenever they talk about it like that in the Old Testament, it's like, this is the word. And that's usually, they're referring to the gospel. So like if we, but I might be wrong. I mean, in the verse before he says, upon my words. And then the verse after he says, compare the word unto a seed. So I don't know. Oh, I see. So the words being his words that he's teaching them. I think so. I think you're right. Well, this is good. I mean, this is how I usually break down scriptures is like i try to try to figure it out so it's like now we will compare the word unto a seed now if you give place to the seed that might be planted in your heart behold if it is a true seed and a good seed if you do not cast it out by your unbelief that you will resist the spirit of the lord and that's huge that right there that you will resist the spirit of the lord the holy ghost plays such a huge part in this and he talks about it a little bit later and i think it perfectly describes that feeling of understanding and that feeling of growth and conversion Okay, so now behold, does this not increase your faith? I say unto you, yea, nevertheless has grown. What's the difference between 34 and... Because earlier he's saying nay for a perfect knowledge. That was a big point for me too, right? What's the difference between, okay, your knowledge is perfect in that thing, but when he asked the same question in 35, after you have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? He says, nay, neither must ye lay aside your faith. For you have only exercised your faith to plant the seed that you might try the experiment to know if the seed was good. Which is interesting because up until now, so what he's saying is like, hey, here are the things that I'm teaching you. Plant it and then through faith, have that be an evidence of the things that I'm telling you are true. And then in 34, and now behold, is your knowledge perfect? Yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing and your faith is dormant. And this because you know, for you know that the, the word hath swelled in your soul. So the things that he's taught. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> this is why at the beginning of my studies, I was like, dude, I'm not getting any of this. But let's see if we if we keep moving and it starts making sense to us a little bit. So we'll, <laughs> we're confused. Let's come back to these points. Um, we're going to hop on over to Alma 37. So in Alma 37, Alma's talking to his son Helaman and he's handing over all the plates, like the Sword of Laban, all those things, and the Liahona. And in 39, halfway through the verse... And behold, it was prepared to show unto our fathers the course which they should travel in the wilderness. And it did work for them according to their faith in God. Therefore, if they had faith to believe that God could cause that those spindles should point the way they should, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. 41. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence, and then those marvelous works ceased, and they did not progress in their journey. Therefore they tarried in the wilderness, or did not travel a direct course, and were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgressions. In 43, he basically says, the Liahona is a shadow or a, a type of thing to the Holy Ghost. He basically compares the Liahona to the Holy Ghost. In 44, I think, this is really interesting because he says, For behold, it is as easy to give heed to the word of Christ, which will point to you a straight course 
to eternal bliss as it was for our fathers to give heed to this compass, which would point unto them a straight course to the promised land. That's pretty cool. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. So in 46, he says, O my son, do not let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way. For so it was with our fathers, for so it was prepared for them that they would look that they might live like the staff of Moses. Even so it was with us. The way is prepared, and if we look, we may live forever. Okay, wow. For one thing, this is really, really cool. I should have spent way more time with Alma (laughs) (laughs) in studying for this. So in verse 34, and on my son, I would that, or sorry, 43, and on my son that I would that you should understand that these things are not without a shadow. For as our fathers were slothful to give heed to the compass, now these things were temporal. They did not prosper, even so it is with these things which are spiritual. So you said something about the Liahona being like the Holy Ghost. Where, where, where did you get that point from? Oh, gosh. Um, that is a great question. Let me go to my notes. <laughs> okay. Because that's really cool. If that's the case, and I'm sure you'll find the scripture, but like if that's the case, you we can look at that. There, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from Nephi and Lehi and Laman and Lemuel and all, the, all their family as being as like an allegory of life for us, which is, I don't know, that's really, really cool, which, which can go a lot of directions. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I, I want to say I read it somewhere, but I think it also just came from him saying it's as easy to follow the words of Christ as it was to follow the spindles in the Liahona. And I just interpret the words of Christ as promptings from the Spirit. Just where I am now in my place, that's how I think those are just the steps that are in front of me. I think it also can mean the scriptures, words of the prophets, things like that. But just for me and my understanding right now, when I see words of Christ, I think promptings from the Spirit, directions from God personally to me. And so when he says that these things are not without a shadow, and I just say the Holy Ghost. So it's it's interesting that you asked that question because it doesn't actually say there that <laughs> I just kind of skipped over and was like, yeah, the Leohone is the Holy Ghost. It doesn't actually say there, but when I read that scripture, I felt as if he was making the comparison of the Leohone to the Holy Ghost. It's a really, really interesting point. And this is awesome. This is the first I've ever really thought of it this way. Because I, I, I always wondered about the Lehona. You know what I mean? Because you have Levi and he's getting visions and he's seeing things. He, he, he saw the tree of life. And then like Nephi shortly after that is getting like the prophet visions of like, hey, here's the whole universe and everything. And here's my plan. And here's all of this. And he's, he's like one of the first people to, to see like Christ's birth and all these different things. And they're quoting Isaiah. And so I was like, why is it that these men and women who have so much faith and so much like righteousness, and they're on the path, and they're able to receive these revelations. Why would they need a Liahona? And I think that's worth a. I think that could be a conversation in itself. But I think having this idea that it's a shadow, or an example, or an allegory of we have our own Liahonas and like the gospel and the Holy Ghost. That's really really cool. And there's all lessons that can be learned from there. And it's like in 41, nevertheless, because of the miracles were worked by small means, it is shown unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence. And those marvelous works ceased and they did not progress in their journey. Because there are times like what, I was talking to my brother earlier today and he was, I was like, what are some examples of scriptures in the, you like of faith? And he talked about Nephi breaking his bow. And Lehi was complaining with everyone else. They're like, oh, we, we, we're hungry and we're not going. And the, and the Lehona stopped. And I'm going to have to look at this later because that's really, really cool. It's, it's a really good allegory for life, for enduring to the end. He started off really strong. And then as they were in the wilderness, when things got tough, when there was like trials of faith, he was slothful and they, they had to like go back on course. Well, I think that's a perfect segue. Like, let's go to the chapter of Nephi breaking his bow. 
First Nephi chapter 16. In verse 10, Lehi walks out of his tent and the Lehihona is just sitting there on the ground. If I summarize some of the next few verses, they follow the direction of the ball and they are blessed. They have plenty of food. They're traveling pretty good at a pretty good pace. If we go to Tony 1, it says, And now it came to pass that I, Nephi, having been afflicted with my brethren because of the loss of my bow, and their bows having lost their springs, it began to be exceedingly difficult. Nephi starts acting in faith, right, in 23, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make out of wood a bow, and out of a straight stick an arrow. And I said unto my father, Where shall I go to obtain food? So I thought it was interesting that he kept acting in faith. He kept pressing forward. He humbled his father and his brethren, and his father was able to receive revelation again. The pointer started working again. After he got his directions, there were new words on the Liahona that taught them more things. So that's why I was kind of picking up on how the Liahona is like the Holy Ghost, because we have to humble ourselves and go to the Lord and make ourselves worthy to receive those promptings. And then once we start acting on the promptings, we start acting in faith to follow the directions that are on the Liahona, then it will teach us. It will testify to us. And I think that's what the writing is on the Liahona, is it's after you act in faith, the Holy Ghost can come and teach, testify, bring peace to you. Yeah, no, I think that's, I, I think you're right. And I mean, and it's interesting going back to Alma with the whole, this is not without a shadow. I think it's just a good example of just faith in life. Kind of to give a little bit more context to how this episode is going is I've studied a lot. And, and usually with these podcasts, I'm, I'm coming into it and I, and I have a plan of like, this is something that was really interesting for me, or this was like an aha moment for me. And then I have like, I'm really excited to share this. And so like, I haven't studied more for a subject than this one, but without anything to, to show for it. And so just before the episode, I was like, Josh, I have all these points and I have these directions, but I don't feel strongly about any of them. Not, not that any of them aren't like true or powerful or, or meaningful. It's just for me personally, it was almost like a stupor of thought where like I'm, I'm studying these things and I'm having a hard time putting it together. But the things that I did study, I think, are of worth, particularly with like faith and action. And so one of the ones that I was thinking about was uh, in Joshua 3. Just as a background, this is Moses is dead. They're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And after those 40 years, it's time to go into the promised land. And Joshua is the one that's leading them. And so there's, there's several things that the Lord is doing with Joshua when it comes to this sort of stuff. Okay, verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. My big takeaway from all of this is that faith, I looked at faith as kind of like a stepping stone to conversion and a stepping stone of living righteously, but it's always the first step. So eventually, do you really need faith anymore? Because at this point in my life, I don't know what the perfect knowledge, but I know God is my Heavenly Father, and I know Christ is my Savior, and I believe in the gospel, and I act on the things that I'm told to do. So when people talk about faith, I'm like, well is faith applicable to me now? Because if, if I already know that God is my Heavenly Father, why do I need to have faith in Heavenly Father? And so what I'm learning from all of this is that faith is a continuing thing. But like the idea of he's about to do this wonderful thing, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves, prepare yourselves, make yourself straight with God, make sure you're square. So he told them that. He's always like, okay, get prepare yourselves for tomorrow the Lord's going to work wonders among you. Give me 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to part the river, but not until your feet are wet. So the point I'm wanting to make with this 
is why would God have them do it this way? Because with Moses, he was like, hey, go, go part the Red Sea. And so Moses part of the Red Sea. And I think, I think the point is, is it was exercising their faith. And that faith is an action. That it took them believing that would happen, and it didn't happen until their feet were in the water. And so the power came after the action of their faith. And that was the thing that's interesting for me. And, 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 and I think that that happens with us a lot in life, is that it happens after happens after the trial of your faith is when the miracles happen. Something I came across in my reading a lot was faith can move mountains. Or what's the scripture in the New Testament? If you have like a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains or something like that. And I thought about that. Like, what does it mean to just barely have any faith and you can move a mountain? And I thought it was interesting reading a story like this. Like the commandment came from God. It wasn't just like, they woke up one day and they said, God, give me this miracle after I put my feet in the water. God came to them and said, this is the miracle that I'm going to do. This is what you have, what you have to do. So the power comes as we follow the promptings and we do our part. He does that often, right? It's like, if you do this, then these are the blessings that will come from it. But it takes faith to do that. <laughs>